Welcome to the iMatter Podcast, future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Welcome to the iMatter Podcast. And in this episode, we tackle an issue that many leaders face. It's conflict. Now, conflict's inevitable, especially in high-performing teams where you've got smart and talented people who all have their own ideas about how to do things. And, and sometimes everybody agrees with those ideas, but that's not always a good thing. And some of the best ideas come out of conflict and disagreement. And, and the best teams are not those who avoid conflict or even manage conflict, but those who embrace it. And that's why I'm sure you'll enjoy this conversation with Matt Lumstein, who talks about constructive conflict. So if you're fed up with the time and the energy that you waste managing conflict and his fallout, then you'll love Matt's take on it here. Hello, this is Gihan Pereira. I'm speaking today with Matt Lumsdain, who's an expert on transforming conflict. Um, I love hanging out with Matt, whether it's over coffee or in a mastermind group, or even being in one of his audiences. Uh, and the reason is because everything that Matt says comes from really well-considered thinking and, and deep insight. And it's probably not surprising because he's got a background in philosophy. He's been studying and teaching that for over 25 years and, as well as that, running that in parallel with a successful corporate career. And he's kind of combined those two things. And this isn't just armchair philosophy. It's it's really practical philosophy and wisdom, and especially in what Matt does now in helping leaders and organizations manage and transform conflict. And it's it's not about eliminating or avoiding conflict. It's really, it is about transforming it into creative and constructive activity. And of course, we need this now more than ever before, which is why I'm really interested interested in exploring Matt's ideas around it. So welcome, Matt. Thank you, Gihan. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And as you know, my passion is about leveraging the power of individuals. And, and that does mean embracing differences, which sometimes, maybe often, means that we have disagreements and conflict, which is why I'm really interested in, uh, in talking to you today and exploring some of your ideas. So, so let's start with why this idea of conflict management and what got you interested in it? Yeah, yeah, that's a um, good question. I was working in the software industry and the IT industry for many, many years, and uh, I ended up on project steering committees, meetings for, uh, in the software industry. You get very long-term, high-value, complex projects, and it really struck me that there was so much conflict, uh, so much arm wrestling, if you like, in those projects. Every steering committee meeting was a battle of wills and uh, there was, it was always something argued, uh, some sort of argument going on. And uh, that was a concern because it made it all very unpleasant. And I had this view that business didn't have to be that way. Now, whilst that was going on, my father was, uh, he was actually rising to the top of the dispute resolution profession in Australia. He was an architect who became an arbitrator and did a lot of work in the construction industry. And uh, I've got a great deal of respect for my father. He, he, he actually um, became the president of the Institute of Arbitrators and Mediators in Australia. So he uh, was recognised for being very good at his craft. And we had lots of discussions about this. The construction industry was using dispute resolution, alternative dispute resolution to good effect. And it just wasn't happening in the software industry. So I decided that was somewhere I could add value and embarked on uh, training in alternative dispute resolution, became a mediator and decided that that was an area I wanted to specialise in, in some ways, just to make business better. Mm. And how do you fit that in with your background in philosophy and wisdom, Matt? Because I know I've heard you speak about those sort of things. And as I said, you come, come to it from a very different point of view and apply it to organisations and corporates. Yeah, well, it's true to say that my philosophical 
studies, I guess, if you like, or my love of philosophy underpins almost everything I do. And in terms of conflict, it's helped me uh, realise that it's just a necessary part of the whole picture, if you like. Conflict, without conflict, it's probably not stretching it to say nothing would happen in the world. The philosophical perspective on that is that uh, action comes from either moving towards something we desire or away from something that repels us, if you like. And conflict obviously fits into the latter part of it. I think the interesting thing there is it's not about eliminating conflict. You do talk to people who think that it should be eliminated. Uh, I don't share that view. I think it's an important part of the whole picture and it can be managed. So uh, I guess that's where they fit in to an extent. Uh, to just take that a little bit further, my response to conflict and the way I help people manage it is very much based in a philosophical approach. And by that, I guess what I really mean is it helps people understand themselves. People have to understand what's going on with themselves on an internal level before they have much hope of managing conflict in the external world. Yeah, and I think you've just answered one of the questions that I had in my head, Matt, because a lot of people will see conflict as something that's just inevitable and you say you can't avoid it or eliminate it. But what you're saying is, no, you shouldn't be trying to avoid or eliminate it because it is inevitable, but you can you can channel it and transform it into creative and constructive ways. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, just to make change happen. Um, now, let's just uh, clarify what we really mean by conflict. The word itself means with striking. That's the etymology of the mm. word mm. from Greek. It means with striking. So uh, that's coloured our understanding of it, I suppose. A lot of people think of conflict, they think of a fight. Uh, it's not that clear cut. Conflict really is a continuum and it ranges from one end, if you imagine a line with mild disagreement on one end and out and out warfare on the other. Mm. They're all form, if you like, of conflict or part of what we see as conflict. Now, it's hard to imagine a world in which disagreement didn't happen. I think it'd be quite boring, to be honest. Mm. Uh, and in, in as much as that, it's just an important part of the machinery of the universe, if you like. So that is inevitable. Warfare at the other end of the scale, well, you know, it's... Uh, you can be forgiven for thinking that's inevitable as well if you watch the news or read the papers at the moment. My view is that, that it's not inevitable that conflict ends up in out-and-out warfare, uh, but if poorly managed, it will. So I guess my mission is helping more and more people manage their response to conflict and being able to turn it into something constructive before it does come to blows. And is that what makes you different, Matt? Because I know there are a lot of people who would talk about conflict management, and probably the term that's used a lot is, is conflict resolution. And is your difference that you're not necessarily looking to resolve it or avoid it, but you're looking to you know, turn it in a different direction? Yeah, so you're quite right. There's a lot of talk about conflict resolution. And look, some conflict, there is conflict out there that can't really be resolved. And when you start looking at the resolutions that are on offer there are all sorts of uh, different flavors to it if you like you know we have win-lose we have win-win we have lose-lose 
uh, no win, no lose, all those sorts of things. Um, some conflict just won't be resolved. So I don't like to focus only on that, although uh, in business it's often necessary. I guess what makes me different or the angle is that I see it as a really good opportunity for individuals and organisations, almost as a, as a side effect, but primarily for individuals to get to know themselves better and to grow through that sort of self-understanding. Because the sorts of things that irritate us, the things that we're repelled by, or the things that we run away from, if we analyse them, it tells us a lot about our, our own selves. And that's really useful knowledge. So I focus a lot on the individual, understanding how the conflict has arisen, what part they play, and mapping out strategies for them. Yes, to deal with the current conflict if it's there, but more importantly, to develop the resilience and the skills to enable them to manage it and to transform it in the future in an ongoing sense. Um, one of the things... I, look, I don't know if you like the classics, but I certainly love The Odyssey. It's one of my favourite books and a great piece of uh, Western literature. One of the greatest challenges that faced Odysseus on his return home, I mean, people that are familiar with the story will remember the Cyclops and the, the Sirens and all of these dangers that he faced. But one of the greatest ones was on the island of the Lotus Eaters. This was an island where... The weather was beautiful. His ships were wrecked on this island. Uh, food fell from the trees. Fish jumped from the sea. There were beautiful women all around. His men just didn't want to leave these islands. And you can understand why. <laughs> but the thing was, it was, it was uh, a great challenge because his mission was, in a sense, to discover himself. And uh, this area, which was free of conflict, where everything was easy, actually was one of his biggest dangers. So we should welcome it when disagreement comes, when times are a bit tough. We should welcome that as an opportunity to learn about ourselves and to grow. You're a great storyteller, Matt, and I was kind of lost in that story and lost my place in, in our conversation, which is one of the reasons why I like hanging out with you. <laughs> so so let's take this back from the odyssey to modern workplaces. Uh, do, do you really think that modern workplaces have changed, that, that workplaces now, there's a, there's a greater need than ever before for some of the things you're talking about, like understanding yourself, having resilience, having the skills to be able to deal with conflict without being offended by it or without withdrawing? What's changed in workplaces now that means that it's more important than ever before for us to, to be able to be on top of these things? Yeah, look, it's, that's a really interesting one. Our workplaces are evolving over time. They're still, you know, we still live in a, 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 an economy that's dominated by the capitalist mindset, and I think that's been the case from uh, probably since the Industrial Revolution. So in some ways, our workplaces exist to do the same things. However, I believe the important differences now are the increasing complexity, the higher, you know, much greater time pressures, mm -hmm. and our environment is just full of distractions. So I think what happens is that these things combined take us further from ourselves, if you like. We get so caught up in the busyness of stuff that we don't often um, reflect 
on what's important, what's really important to us. We don't spend time working out who we are, what we have to offer, what's our overall place in the scheme of things. Now, to put that into perspective, I think, or the importance of that, is that we evolve, we grow through self-knowledge. I hope that doesn't sound too uh, highfalutin, but that's effectively what it is. And the further we're taken from that, the less likely we are to evolve and develop. So the modern workplace with its pressure, its short timeframes, I mean, things like the stock exchange and quarterly reporting and bonuses being offered quarterly shifts behaviour in the workplace. It shifts it to a more short-term focus rather than a longer-term focus. That changes the way we make decisions. It changes the things that we do. And what that does too is it often sets people, it sets up an inner conflict. So I've been involved in businesses and I've uh, spoken with plenty of people who are making decisions based on the environment, the, the busyness of it, the short-term focus, that don't sit well with them. They perhaps know that they're making decisions that in a perfect world they wouldn't like to make. These things set up internal conflict. There are plenty of people out there, for example, who, are, who feel that business somehow has a different set of moral imperatives or you know, can operate in a different ethical environment than they would like to work with in their homes, for example, or in their private lives. So it's external pressures distracting us, taking us further from who we really are, perhaps causing us to... Uh, engage in behaviours that don't quite feel right, don't sit right with us. And look, I think that's just escalating. And unless something happens to open the pressure valve, if you like, or help us to slow down and look at what's really happening, then I think the conflict will will continue to increase. Um, as, as long as people are not feeling uh, quite you know, satisfied and comfortable with themselves, then they're far more likely to get into conflict with others around them. I must say, Matt, that this conversation is going in a very different direction than I expected when we started it. <laughs> because, really? uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely good. Because you were saying that uh, when, you, when you said that you're all about transforming conflict, I thought you'd be looking at people who are in conflict with each other and then looking at how to turn that into creative energy. But you, you, a lot of what you're talking about is actually learning yourself and understanding maybe you've got inner conflicts. I must say it's a really interesting and refreshing view on this. Conflict exists on all levels. There's organisation, you know, there's an organisational level, you know, there's conflict between competitors in the marketplace, there is conflict between teams in an organisation, between managers and their reports and so on and so forth. There is a lot of interpersonal conflict out there. Look, I agree that there are behaviours that we can adopt and there are techniques that we can apply and there are things that we can learn, skills that we can learn to really help with that interpersonal conflict. But ultimately it is learning to manage ourselves and that intrapersonal conflict, if you like. It's, that's the key to resilience. That's the key to wisdom. That's the key to enabling us to enter a uh, an environment that may be full of conflict without fear and to go in there and help make the most of it. Um, there is a quote that I really love. 
I think of conflict as an opportunity to uh, to grow and to improve things. And the quote is this, and it was from Abraham Lincoln, and it says that the finest steel goes through the hottest fire. And I think that's a beautiful uh, metaphor for what's happening here. You know, we can't learn and grow unless we face challenges. Another ta- take on it is that you can't become a good sailor unless you've been through a few storms. Mm. So when I say I'm not about eliminating conflict, it's because I think there's great value in it up to a point, and uh, we should be embracing that and using it as a uh, means for personal and individual growth. Now, as a happy coincidence, if you've got healthy, resilient, mature, wise individuals working in an organisation, then that organisation can't fail to prosper. Look, there are plenty of well-documented uh, costs of conflict in businesses, the impact of conflict on the bottom line, I think is fairly obvious. Most people know increased staff turnover, um, people just not doing their work because they're embroiled in conflict, uh, stress and disease and absenteeism. All of these things actually impact the bottom line of our organisations today. And it's fantastic when you reduce it because it really does have an impact. I think we start with the individual. Yeah, that's really interesting, Matt, because uh, I was going to ask you about those costs and impacts because it seems that, as, exactly as you said, that it seems that it has a huge impact and a huge cost if you don't manage it well. Absolutely. And look, some of them are just very obvious. There was a, a survey done in the United States quite a few years ago, um, Global Capital Project, I think it was, where they, they identified that there were about the average American employee spent 2.1 hours per week engaged in some sort of conflict. Now, mm. at a very high level, you can see that that's, gonna, that's costing any organisation 5% of their wage bill, of their payroll. Um, but I think that's conservative. And from the executives I talk to in particular, it seems to be far more like 20% of their time that they'll be engaged at some level uh, in either managing conflict, mediating it, um, managing the fallout from conflict. They understand that their people are distracted by it. And many people will feel comfortable with 20% of their time as you know, the impact of conflict. It's, it's up to 20% of their time. Mm. With an organisation with a high, with a large salary bill, that's a lot of money at the end of the day on the bottom line. So, so let's follow on from that, Matt. So what you're saying is that it could be, you know, whether it's as low as 5% or as high as 20 to 25%, mm-hmm. there's a huge amount of time that employees and organisations spend with managing conflict. And I, I think what you're saying is that you don't necessarily need to reduce that percentage. You just need to make better use of that conflict time and get better outcomes from it. Is that right? Uh, to a point, Gihan, uh, I think that we, when we get better at our response to conflict, that time, the time we need to spend on it will naturally reduce. Okay. Because a lot of it, conflict escalates. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's managed poorly, it escalates. There is that sense of a snowball picking up, picking up momentum and picking up more snow as it goes downhill. I mean, one of the things when individuals have conflict with another person, let's say someone has an issue with their manager, they don't stop there. They go around 
recruiting allies in it. You know, they'll, they'll go around looking for people to confirm their view that that manager is an impossible person to work with and has unreasonable expectations. So if that sort of thing can be nipped in the bud, so that individual can clearly see that they have a problem with their manager, but they have the tools to deal with it largely themselves and perhaps just one-on-one -on -one conversation with that manager rather than letting it fester, going out, recruiting allies in the rest of the organisation. You can see how that can reduce the amount of effort and attention spent mm. on your conflict. Yeah, you're right. You're right, because that, that does happen a lot, doesn't it? Conflict does escalate. So if we were to turn that around and look at what do you do to either prevent it from escalating or what are the positive things that you can do, what, what sort of things do you do? That, what sort of things do you do, Matt, to help people manage conflict? The, the main interventions that I do are mentoring individuals and coaching senior executives. So it's usually the senior executives because they're the ones that are prepared to engage in one-on-one -on -one coaching and they can have a, 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 quite an impact in an organisation. So working one-on-one -on -one with people who um, perhaps recognise the value in this and helping them become better at managing their responses to conflict. Um, without going into the full process, it really is a matter of helping people understand the way they see the world around them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what are they thinking about this and what are their intentions for uh, the situation they're in, the business, the people around them? One of the tools as well is looking at their language and the way they use language. So it's the way they think and then the way they communicate. There are some very, very effective ways of communicating when conflict is imminent and most of us haven't been taught these and for most of us they don't come naturally um, but the wrong word the wrong phrase can escalate a conflict that can otherwise be managed and it's about the sorts of behaviors that they engage in so helping the individuals in the organization become better at that is one of the things that uh, I find is really effective uh, the other is running workshops for larger numbers of people. So helping people see the sort of behaviours that can lead to an escalation of conflict and the behaviours that can mitigate it. Now, when you're teaching people in a workshop environment, it is largely about behaviours. When you're coaching people one-on-one, -on -one, it's largely about their approach to the world and their view of the world. Together, these have been very effective in organisations that are quite conflicted if you like and um, you know the results are really positive. Um, one of the areas that I've been working in quite a bit is with uh, some small businesses and um, it's funny because the first one I got involved in was almost like a uh, was almost like a mediation in a in a marriage if you like. Two partners had started a small business and they'd gone into it with all sorts of wonderful goals and um, some great intentions for building this business. And as sometimes happens, things didn't go as well as they'd hoped. Things didn't go as quickly as they'd hoped. And these two fellows got in just a really bad habit of blaming each other for their business problems. Mm. And since that time, I've seen it's happened quite a bit. It's a, fair, it's a fairly um, common pattern. So... In that case, the intervention was a mediation between the two business owners and individual coaching. As a result of that, they were able to focus on what they needed to do. They were able to drop the conflict. Well, 
not drop it entirely, they still had some issues, but they were able to focus on the business at hand and they both believed that that actually saved their business from going under. Just because they were able to adjust their approach, they acknowledged some differences with each other, but then they were able to get on with the behaviours that each of them needed to, to do to get the business working. Okay, great, great. And I'm thinking of people who don't have access to you, Matt. Do you have any advice for them? I know it's it's not easy to give general all-purpose advice, but I'm just thinking of somebody who's a leader in, in an organization, whether they're the business owner or a senior executive or a middle manager or a leader somewhere, maybe even somebody who's on a team who wants to take up a leadership role. What, what advice do you have for them when they come across as, as the word that you use was imminent conflict or maybe even when they're in a conflict situation? Yeah, certainly. And uh, look, uh, many people at, at any point in time do have, are involved in some sort of um, disagreement or some sort of uh, conflicted situation. At, at, at a simple level, and I think one of the most effective things to do to give us space because it's all about stepping back and not taking it personally. Usually an escalation of a conflict happens when we take it personally. And one of the most effective ways of giving giving ourselves space is to look at what's happening and reframe it from an argument or a dispute into a problem. So to really look at it from um, another perspective, if you like. So reframe what's going on as a problem. And the problem should be framed in a certain way, not as uh, a personality problem, such as, you know, uh, that person over there is just always grumpy and is lazy and doesn't do their job. It's looking at uh, a, a problem that can be resolved. So we often, in a, in a conflict, will say it's a personality thing or it's, you know, we'll attribute the source of the problem to someone else's issues. Step back, say, what is the problem here? What is the impact it's having on my organisation or myself? If the impact is significant enough to devote time to solving it, then defining what you want to achieve from resolution, and then mapping out some ways that you can contribute to the solution, and only then engaging others, asking others permission to engage in sort of conflict resolution process. So step back, take an objective viewpoint, depersonalize the conflict and see what the problem or the issue at the heart of it is. Decide what you would like to achieve from resolving it, what the world would look like if that problem was resolved, and then engage others to help you. Okay, so as part of this process, I'm curious as to whether you, you need the cooperation of the other person or people in that, or is this something that you do independently and hope they come along for the ride? <laughs> yes. Look, and that does depend on the nature of the situation, Gihan. There are some conflicts that we, perhaps unwittingly, perhaps because of something we're holding on to, there are some conflicts, conflicts that we're sustaining. And often this process that I've just outlined will allow us to, if you like, step back and, and, and stop sustaining the conflict. 
it might go away without us having to do anything else. We just stop inflaming, mm. if you like. Mm. Um, but most corporate conflicts are a little bit more um, complex than that, and they, there are you know, business outcomes to be achieved, and they will require enlisting the help of others. And this is where our language skills come into it. This is where we have to start developing our power uh, to empathise with others, uh, to communicate what's required in depersonalised language. In, and there is a concept which I'd like probably to leave you with. It's this con- concept of a pure conflict. A pure conflict is one in which both parties to the disagreement ultimately want the same outcome. And uh, this is really good thinking coming from originally from a man called Morton Deutsch, uh, who who was a great um, scholar in the field of conflict management. But the fact is that in most organisations, we have disagreements about how to achieve a certain thing. You know, how do we make more sales? There might be different opinions as to how to do that, and poorly managed, that can re- result in conflict. If we can step back from that and identify the common goal, the common objective, what would make it better for all of us, then that can be really helpful too. So identifying at some point where the common good is, if you like. Yeah, and I have come across a negotiation process like that, Matt, where you ask parties to negotiation to ask what they want and ask why they want that and you keep asking why, why, why mm. until you get to a high enough level that both both parties actually end up realizing that they want the same thing and then, then start from there and then keep drilling down and uh, and staying staying in agreement all the way down. Yeah. And look, I think that's the key to it. And that's the philosophical approach to uh, negotiation, conflict management, conflict resolution as well. It's finding the common ground, and there will always be common ground. It's just that we we don't look for it. You know, we get mm. stuck in our mm. positions, we get stuck in our you know, fixed beliefs and our fixed mindsets. And you know, try telling me that that fellow over there has something in common with me, and I'll I'll disagree till the cows come home. But ultimately, that's what it is: finding out what the common ground is, and Let's get together and make our organisation better, make the world a better place, and by the way, uh, grow in self-knowledge and understanding and resilience ourselves. Yeah, fantastic. This is why I said at the start, Matt, that I love hanging out with you because we always have these just just really interesting conversations and you always come to things with well-considered thinking and with this really deep insight. So I really thank you for sharing sharing some time, exploring some of your ideas around this. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to ask, like, who do you like to work with and what sort of things do you do for them um, and how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, okay. Yeah, wonderful. Well, look, the people that I like to work with, uh, those in position, well, you start with people in positions of responsibility. So usually executives with a number of direct reports and some influence in an organisation. And with them, I have a really good program of mentoring, uh, one-to-one coaching, if you like, helping them really develop their conflict management muscle, their conflict resolution mm. muscle as well. So one-on-one coaching is a really effective way to help people um, develop resilience and and uh, and minimize stress and improve their well-being and the other thing is i really do love running workshops 
with groups of you know, six to 12 people who are interested in improving their conditions in the workplace, improving their productivity through getting better at managing conflict. And um, small business owners in particular, I've had a lot of uh, great success with small business owners who are struggling and uh, really need to focus back on their uh, mission, what it's going to take to help their businesses succeed. Uh, look, the best way really is to contact me via email, which is uh, matt at that's M-A-T-T at mattlumsdane.com. And they could visit my website, which is simply mattlumsdane.com. That's probably the most effective way. Yep, great. That's M-A-T-T-L-U-M-S-D-A-I-N-E.com. That's so great. Correct. Great, great. Thanks, thanks so much for your time, Matt. Uh, any, any last thoughts or parting words? Uh, just to those of you that are feeling stressed out, feel that the world is a threatening place and that, you know, it's all pretty hard, just step back. Don't take it personally. It is the way it is, and it's a great opportunity for you to develop in wisdom and power. And to, So don't feel frightened about conflict. Take it as an opportunity. Take it as an opportunity to grow and develop yourself. Great. Matt Lamstein, thanks so much. Pleasure, Gihan. Check out Matt's website and blog at mattlumstein.com. And while you're there, sign up to his excellent email newsletter, Attention Matters. If you want even more help with future-proofing your career, your team, and your organization, then join my new webinar series, Future Proof. Every month, I'll share one big idea about what our future holds, things like the, the shift of power to Asia, the changing workplace, healthcare technology, the shift to customer-centric businesses, big data, and more than that. Here's some of the reasons to attend these webinars. So first of all, you'll understand how the Internet's affecting your world, which means that you can take advantage of the opportunities and avoid the risks and the threats. You'll also consistently be getting updates on what has changed so you don't fall behind. You'll also learn what most of your competitors are not learning, so you get a competitive edge. You get the chance to ask me questions live on the webinar. You tap into my 15 plus years of experience in helping people understand the future. So you're going to learn from real businesses, real organizations, and get real practical relevant ideas. And finally, there's some really cool stuff happening. So attend the webinar series and I'll show you what's on the horizon for both your personal and your professional life. To find out more, go to seeingintothefuture.com and register for the webinar series there. It's free. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. And if you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanparera.com. And that's where you should go as well if you want to engage with me in other ways. You can find my blog, newsletter, podcast, videos, and my webinar series. And they're all free and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of your organization, your team, and of course yourself. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. You've been listening to the iMatter Podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit iMatterPodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.